0: Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, around the world, internet church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today because I believe that God's Word is able to build you up to do everything that God has called you to do, and very importantly, to be the person that God has called you to be. Let's take our Bibles today and go to the book of Exodus chapter 35, and we're going to drop down to verse 4. I'll share something special with you that will bless your heart. Verse 4, And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded. So notice that this is a direct commandment from the Lord, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. So notice that even though it was a commanded offering, it still had to be done willingly with a willing heart in order for the offering to be accepted by the Lord. Praise God. We see this very similarly in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 17, where the Apostle Paul He's writing and says that concerning his assignment from the Lord to preach the gospel, he says, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. So a quality offering, a quality life yielded to God flows from a willing heart and it produces a what? A reward that God releases into your life. And one more scripture. Let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're all familiar with the first 14 verses pertaining to the blessing. Now look at verse 47. Deuteronomy 28 verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God, how? With joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything therefore you shall serve your enemies. So here we have from the Lord, a very stern warning concerning the attitude of our hearts to do things that God would require to do them in a willingly and joyful manner. Praise God. And I believe that according to this scripture, that a lack of willingness and cheerfulness can actually in a sense, corrupt our blessings that God wants to bestow upon us in greater and greater degrees. <clears throat> Excuse me. Praise the Lord. So, my friends, we are doing things with a willing heart. And I want to say a big hallelujah and a big thank you to everyone that sowed into the Hangar Project. Praise the Lord. I tell you, we were deeply touched here at the ministry by your sacrificial giving, and it was done with a willing heart, and it was done with a a joyful heart, praise the Lord. Now, you may say, Pastor Stephen, did you reach the goal of $400,000? Well, we did not reach that exact amount, but I'll tell you what, the giving, nevertheless, was quite powerful, and I was just amazed by the army of the Lord and their willingness to give. Thank you so much. Now, this positions us for several options, and I'm going to explore those options with the funds that we have, and we will also hold steady and keep this project open until we actually reach that level. But my friends, I'm going to continue to pray about what the Lord would have us do because we have a substantial amount, but we want to receive God's best in the sense that we want to not force something, but we want to get it just right. I'm going to leave the hangar project open. Praise God, because also people are still giving, and we're going to endeavor to reach that goal. And in the interim, let's see what the Lord can do. Praise God, because we are in a very good position right now. Hallelujah. And again, thank you for your giving, because it came from a willing heart, and it came from a... A heart response to a call to uh, step through an open door of opportunity. And I'm excited that as we have also given, we have also prayed. So let's watch and see what the Lord will do. And I will keep you updated from this pulpit. Praise the Lord. And one thing's for sure, it's all good. Glory to God. Now, let us honor the Lord with the tithe. The tithe belongs to Him. Let's not give it grudgingly, but let's give it with that same heart attitude of joy, and also willingness, and that has continued to sow seed to honor the Lord, and also to position ourselves for future harvest. Praise God. Now, Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, PO Box 717, Baravian Falls, North Carolina, zip code 28654. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so anywhere in the world, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a Link That says give it has a red heart and you can click that and it'll take you right to the landing page to bring your tithes and various offerings into the ministry. Praise God. I want to pray for your finances and I want to pray a blessing over everyone that has sold into the hangar Thanksgiving seed offering praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I tell you my heart is truly touched by your generosity and I want to pray for you now just lift your hands. Heavenly Father, for everybody that sowed their hanger seed into the ministry, Father God, I pray that you release a miracle anointing upon their seed sown. Oh, Father God, there was such willing giving, sacrificial giving, and it was all done so joyfully. Father God, bless your people with a mighty harvest, Father God, that would truly come from you. And Father, we thank you that as you give, you give through people. You give through uh, special occasions where you can touch the heart of a person to cause a special blessing to be released of increase and in blessing. So, Father God, bless your people. Let the blessing hit them from all angles. And we give you all of the praise right now in advance for literally the miracle harvest. That are going to come in. Praise God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen and amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's take our Bibles, and I would like for us to go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 14. I want to show you a principle that's very important in Scripture. And then, as we look at this, we're going to just briefly look at a principle, and then we're going to move right into a real-life example that happened with the Israelites. I believe this message has a prophetic anointing upon it, and I believe that it will speak to you in the place that you're at right now in your life. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word, let your Holy Spirit come, we ask, right now, and release wisdom and revelation anointing, so that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light, so that we may know what to do in Christ. We thank you, Father God, for the path being brightly illuminated that we are to walk upon, and we give you all of the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 14. Let's go down to Verse 13. Uh, One of the most well-known stories in the Bible. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? tell the children of Israel to go forward. Well, that is the principle that I want us to briefly take a look at, that God always has a way for you to continue to move forward. Sometimes it's step by step. Sometimes there can be what we would call big jumps or big leaps ahead. But when you look at certain uh, corporations, particularly the ones that would be in the top 100 uh, profitable corporations here within our nation, you know that every year they have their directors meeting and when they get all of the directors together and they sit down and they talk about uh, their profit and their loss statement and you know how they're doing, they always plan for the next year with ideas and principles that they are going to incorporate to do what to make more money. They never sit there. They they never do in any directors meeting and say, you know what, we had a good year last year and this year let's just uh let's just do the best we can, but we'll never be able to top last year or the year before. They never do that. They always formulate plans of how they can move forward and have new levels of increase. Now, the good news is that God is with his children, his believers, and he is able to work with you in the natural and put his super upon your natural so that you can supernaturally go forward, even though you may be standing in a place where you feel hemmed in and in the natural, there is no way. That's why it's such a necessity to have a good understanding to know that the God that we serve is not limited to by what would be going on in our country, what would be going on in society, what would be especially going on in the economy, because with the Lord, he doesn't have an off day, and the covenant doesn't have an off day. With the Lord, if we walk closely with him, he will always have a way for us to go forward. Mm -mm. And he did for Moses. We see that in verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were walled to them on their right and on their left. And my friends, they went through to the other side. Now, we already know the story. The Egyptians uh, in their army, trying to do so, they all drowned because the Lord caused the waters to come back, as Moses had stretched his staff out again, and they were all of the Egyptians were drowned. Woo! Praise the Lord! And now the Israelites are on the other side, and they do a lot of dancing, a lot of praising a lot of shouting. Uh, They were very, very happy. But of course, you know, doing all of that shouting and uh, dancing out in the desert kind of creates quite a thirst. (laughs) So uh, it wasn't long that the shouts of victory and the shouts of hallelujah were replaced with, um, uh, where's, where's the water going to come from? Did God bring us out here to kill us all of thirst? And so began a long journey of uh, grumbling and mumbling and complaining and things like that. And then God would do a miracle, and they'd shout some more and praise the Lord. And they had this situation of uh, temporary memory loss, where they would see God do a great miracle, they would get delivered, and then they go a little bit further, and they would completely forget about such things as the Red Sea crossing, water coming out of a rock. Um, But just all kinds of miracles that God was constantly doing with the cloud, the supernatural cloud over them during the day, providing a means of air conditioning out in the middle of the uh, hot, blazing Sinai desert. So they had protection of that. They had fire at night. They had miracles all around them. But my friends, we are going to continue to go forward, not look back to Egypt. We don't want to be like, you know, a good example would be Lot's wife who looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. whoo! what a mess. My friends, we're not looking back. We're not saying that uh, this is as far as we can go, and God can't do anymore. No, we're going to continue to move forward in the plan of God, the plan that God has for us as a church in the earth, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Lord's church, and also in our personal lives, even with respected callings and assignments from the Lord. Remember, there is always a way forward, even if it requires divine supernatural intervention. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So that is the principle to go forward. God said it, and they did it. Now, let's jump now into this principle walked out, especially when uh, it's actually working. And you're going forward into new things, new places, new areas, and I think it's good to prepare our hearts for this as we're stepping further and further into the Canaan land. Some perhaps getting into the Canaan land for the first time. Let's talk about that today as we now move into our key text. And we're going to go forward, and we're going to dive into the Torah We're going to go into the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12. And what I'm going to share with you today, I don't know if you have ever heard this uh, message uh, preached before or these scriptures that we're going to cover. Now, if you're a Torah fan and you read your Bible regularly, I'm sure you have worked your way through this, but also we are instructed to study God's Word, not just read it and breeze across it on the surface because we'll miss the gold that's lying beneath. And we're going to take a look at this uh, golden text today that we're working our way towards. We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 1, where the Scripture says, These are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess, all the days that you live on the earth. Now, let's talk about the law just for a moment, because that in essence is what we're looking at, the unveiling of the law. The law is the moral code, the social code for the children of God, the Israelites, the Hebrew children, and it is the foundation of society. Matter of fact, all of the good laws that we have today all originate from the testament, the testimony, which would be the Ten Commandments, and the law itself. Praise the Lord. But here's the catch. Um, For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, men lived back in those olden days not really knowing about God uh, before God had revealed himself. And God has always had his voices his prophets in the earth even as abraham was a friend of god but abraham was also a prophet but it was not until the giving of the law at mount sinai that people really knew what god actually required because think of it back in primitive days you were if you were walking around and you had no instruction book and you had no knowledge of god You would be wondering what is going on. There's floods, there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes, there's sickness, there's disease, and primitive man would think, well, the the gods must be angry we're having a famine right now so the rain gods must not be happy what do we need to do to appease them i don't know maybe they want some fruit and so they would sit out a watermelon and some cantaloupe or cabbage or stuff like that you know anything to do what try to make these gods happy because it seems like they're angry all the time. And so you're always walking around back in those times. You would be walking around wondering, uh, is God uh, or whoever these gods are, is, is this is this supernatural realm of gods or whatever mad at me or angry at me? Why is my child sick? Why did I get in a wreck? Why did I break my leg or whatever it might be? And if they are mad at me, what are their requirements so I can appease their anger and we can get along and good things happen to me and not bad things. So you have to understand that's the way it was for the nations of the world. And before really God revealed himself through what we know as the word of God or the Torah, which were the instructions of, of what, of how to please God, of who he is, what his commandments are. And you know what he did? He spelled them all out. He said, here they are. Here's 10 of them. You got to keep these 10. And here's other areas that you're going to have to focus on these two, these statutes and judgments and so forth. You have to keep those two. And finally, you have a people, the Hebrews, that say, Oh, okay, now we know what to do, while all the other nations of the world are still wandering around in spiritual darkness trying to uh, uh, do whatever it takes to please a God even if, even if they think it means burning their own child in the fire giving your own child as an altar and you know you see the uh, the history of uh, some of the South American nations uh, with the Aztecs and so forth or the Incas where they would they would take their child up on the uh, ziggurat up on the pyramid and then you know uh, kill the child and uh, take the heart out and uh, all kinds of perversion this is all stuff where people are actually man was trying to please the so-called gods and really what they're trying to do is they're trying to appease the cravings of demons so just gross spiritual darkness so so god is now talking to his people god is revealing to them what he expects of them how they are to live how they are to conduct their lives these are are the statutes and judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. Okay, so now you know what to do. You know what God requires, and there are rewards for obedience. Many, many rewards for obedience. Praise God. Now, verse 2, you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess served their gods on the high mountains, and on the hills, and under every green tree. So these pagan worshipers thought, well, if we get up a little higher, uh, perhaps the gods will like that. Or if we go beneath the green tree, perhaps the gods of the trees will like that. And so they they had all kinds of spots and all types of uh, locations where they would do their acts of pagan worship. Verse 3, And you shall destroy their altars, Break their sacred pillars and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Instructions, instructions, instructions of how to please the Lord all spelled out so that anybody can obey them. Praise the Lord. So now we know what to do. Verse 5, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all of your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. Wow, praise the Lord. This is very, very interesting because we're about to see a major shift take place with the Israelites that has not happened before again, we see verse five, but you shall seek the place where the Lord, your God chooses out of all your tribes. Now we know that that place ultimately is going to be Jerusalem and all worship is going to be done there in Jerusalem. But guess what? They have been out wandering around in the wilderness way down south in the Negev, even further south than that. Many even think in uh, what are some uh, modern-day areas of Saudi Arabia. They also wandered around in that area. So they were wandering all over that place. And, of course, when they were wandering, they're all wandering together. They are a very close-knit, cohesive group. And when they would camp, everything is in a structured order. You have the tabernacle in the center. You've got... Tribes here, tribes there, uh, north, south, east, and west, everybody is in their spot. And if you have to go to the bathroom, you go outside of the camp, and there's even instructions about how you're supposed to use the bathroom and what you're supposed to do with your excrement, uh, because God knew about disease and sickness before people even had microscopes. So the Lord had it all figured out. All you have to do is is followed the instructions that he outlined for them. So they've been going through the wilderness all very closely knit together. They would all camp together. They were all very well acquainted with each other because we all went together, all three million of them, all moving about together, Mm-mm. going from desert oasis to desert oasis. Praise the Lord. But you're about to see, my friends, here in the Bible, a major change. Why? Well, it's about time to get across that Jordan River. And then things will happen very differently. Why? Once they get across the Jordan River, these twelve tribes are no longer going to be joined together in one little spot, in one in one encampment. They're going to begin to spread out and they're going to begin to each take or endeavor to take their own allotment of land. So you'll have some tribes way up north. You'll have some down south. You'll even have some on the other side of the Jordan River. And then you'll have some over here by the Mediterranean. Oh, wow. That's a pretty large landmass area. Yeah, it sure is. And it's going to change many of the dynamics of how worship took place among the Israelites. Woo! And also something that God was trying to teach them in the wilderness that they are now supposed to walk in that understanding with their newfound freedoms in the Canaan land. Glory to God. Mm -mm. I think when you get into your Canaan land and you have a new level of, of expansion that you haven't had before, you're going to be able to look back and say, ah, now I see the wisdom of God of why there were certain constrictions and why there were certain difficulties that I don't have now. So I want you to pay careful attention because we're not just talking history, although this is very real history. We're talking prophetic understanding of our lives and the journey that God has for us as followers of Christ and the processes that we go through in order for God to bring us into maturity. Can you say amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, of course, this spreading out is going to, uh, it's going to greatly affect them. You have some way up north, some on the other side of the river, as I just said. So they're going to, they're going to all begin to start thinking this question. Hey, um, Moses, (laughs) where are we supposed to worship at? When we get over there into the Canaan land. And by the way, Moses, um, not only the act of worshiping the Lord and so forth, but also the worshiping of our animal sacrifices. uh, Are we supposed to bring them there too? Uh, So give us some more information. And that, my friends, is what's going to take place. Wow, this is amazing. Look at verse 8. You shall not at all do as we are doing here today every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment and explain that in just a minute. For as yet you have not come to the rest and the inheritance, which the Lord, your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you to inherit. And he gives you rest from all your enemies round about so that you dwell in safety. Then There will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice offerings, which you vow to the Lord. Now remember, before before this, it, it was different. They were out in the wilderness together. Oh yes, they would move from place to place, but also there were times where they encamped together. The whole nation. And in the center was the tabernacle. And so if if you want to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, well, Oh, you can see the tabernacle just right over there. It's got the beautiful curtain around it, and the priest and the Levites would be working there. And on the inside, you had the brazen altar, and then you had the brazen laver, and then you had the holy place, and then you had the most holy place. You had that beautiful system of worship set up to please the Lord according to His instructions. And so if you wanted to make your sacrifice, well, maybe you walked 200 yards, and there you are. But what do you do when well, now maybe uh, you're in northern Israel? Maybe you're the tribe of Manasseh, and you're way up there, and now the place of worship is way down here. What do you do with all of your animals that you would like to sacrifice? What about, what about the tithes that you're supposed to bring to, uh, to honor the Lord with the tithe? How do you do all of this now? So a major change is taking place, Mm-mm. and it's unfolding right before their eyes. Verse 12, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters. See, we talked about that during the, t- the time of tithes and offerings, that this is something that we do of serving the Lord with a joyful heart. Praise God. Okay. And the Levite who is within your gates, since he has no portion nor inheritance with you. Now, verse 13, again, another stern warning. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. However, and here we go, verse 15, however, get ready, major change, major change from what they have been doing earlier, and God's about to really free them up. And I believe for many of you, God's about to free you up and you're going to come into some new levels of freedom in the Holy Spirit. And it's been something that has been planned by the Lord because the Lord loves you, cares for you. And even though you may not have even known it, has always been working behind the scenes so that you live the best life that he has planned for you. Excuse me just a moment while i take a drink of water. However, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you, the unclean and the clean may eat of it, of the of the gazelle and deer alike. Only you shall not eat the blood, you shall pour it on the earth like water. Praise the Lord. Now They are preparing for life in the promised land where they may not be close to the place of worship, where they may not be able to bring all of these animals with them because now they live so far away. So here comes the new instructions. They are now permitted to eat meat without the meat first having been required to be offered as a sacrifice. Think about the major difference that we're dealing with right here. Previously, if any Israelite, no exceptions, if any Israelite wanted to have a barbecue, you have to understand that that, that animal, and these, by, by the way, God only accepted for offerings domestic animals. Uh, he did allow them to eat other kosher meats. We see here mention gazelle and deer. But remember, you're out in the wilderness. You're way out in the desert. So it's not very often that maybe you would even have a chance to kill a deer or somehow uh, shoot an arrow and catch a gazelle. That would be extremely rare. So the only way that you would probably have more of an opportunity to eat meat is that if you had an animal, if you had a cow or something like that, And you want to have a barbecue. But remember, you can't just kill it and start eating it. You have to take that animal and first do what? Take it to the wilderness tabernacle. You'd have to bring it to the priest and present it to them. And then they would kill that animal. It's a sacrifice. They would kill the animal. And a portion of the meat goes to the Lord. It's going to be burned. A portion of the meat goes to the priest and Levites. And then with whatever is left, and sometimes it might not be much, you got to take that. That belonged to you. And you might think, well, this is great. But see, here's what you have to remember. Back in those days, there's no refrigeration. And while they did know how to make beef jerky, uh, this is still a rare experience to slaughter a big animal like this. You know, I was talking to my my son-in-law, and we were having a fun conversation because he really enjoys these survivor-type shows, and he watches these uh, men and women that get put out in remote locations, and they're just told to basically survive. And they have a a means of hunting, perhaps as bow and arrow, and uh, they have to find their own food, they have to build their own shelter, and they have to do it in very, very harsh living conditions. Now, here's a, a misconception that people think. They think, well, that's not that hard. Just get a bow and arrow and go out and shoot an elk or go out and shoot, uh, you know, like a, a deer or something like that. And then just now, and then now that you've shot it and you kill it, then just, you know, take the meat, you know, skin the animal and, uh, and take the meat. And now, now you have plenty of meat. But it doesn't work like that in real life. In real life, especially if you're one person, And you kill one of those animals, it takes all day just to skin it and clean it and do all of that. And it's extremely messy. You're going to end up being covered with blood. And what if you don't have running water? And so that's something they had to have all of that there for the priest to set up because all of this sacrificing had to be done in a very prescribed way. All of the blood had to be drained and poured on the ground. It all had to be done in what we would call a kosher way which was also a very humane way of killing an animal so that the animal goes unconscious very, very quickly and dies uh, almost a pain-free type death, praise the Lord. But my friends, uh, it's very difficult to just kill an animal and think, oh, we got plenty of meat. No, you don't have a lot of meat because it's going to spoil within two days. So you've got to eat all of it. And if you're by yourself, that's not possible. So what do you do with all of this meat? Well, now if you have, you have neighbors, you can give your neighbors some meat. But there's other requirements of why, even though the animal's already been given as a sacrifice and you've got some of it back for yourself, there are still other requirements that may not allow other Israelites to eat that meat. I'll get into that in just a minute. So I want you to see that something that was previously uh, uh, almost like a restriction and very, very rare. God's now saying, this is different now. You don't have to do all of that anymore. He says in verse 15, however, you may slaughter and eat meat within all your gates. Why? They're spread out all over the place now in the land of Canaan. Whatever your heart desires, according to the blessing of the Lord, your God, which he has given you. Mm-mm. Meat, my friends, back in this time was a very, very rare experience. And let's talk a little bit more about this. Um, Why did God make it so hard for them to eat meat in the wilderness? Why did God make it where if you look at everything that he's requiring, it's like a huge inconvenience to actually have a barbecue? Think about it for a moment. What if you want to go to the tabernacle and you want to give an offering of an animal to the Lord, but you go to the tabernacle and there's a line, maybe a long line? Well, you've only got so much time, and not only could there be this wait that delays you, but also there's not that many priests and Levites that are working there, and they're working in a relatively small area. So you've only got so many knives. And you've only got, you know, this altar over here where the animal's going to be burned at. There's only so much of an operation that they could run through here. So you're limited in time, scope, and space. But here's something that's very, very important. If you were ritually unclean, you were ritually unclean. Let's say you had a scab. Maybe the scab was kind of like not formed yet. Well, you couldn't even go to the temple. Well, not temple, tabernacle. The temple had not yet been developed, but you could not go to the tabernacle. If you were a lady and you were having your menstrual cycle, you could not go to the tabernacle. What does that mean? It means that if you were richly unclean, not only can you not go to the tabernacle. Well, if you can't go to the tabernacle, you can't eat meat. That's exactly what that means. It, it's, it's almost like God is making it incredibly, incredibly hard for them to have a barbecue. And don't forget, they craved meat. Oh, they wanted meat Oh, so bad. They wanted meat so bad. Well, Pastor Stephen, why is God making it so hard? Well, there could be those random moments where maybe an Israelite shot a gazelle. Okay, that's kosher. Okay, so they could uh, kill it the proper way, and they could eat that. But you could not take those type of animals and offer them as a sacrifice. It was only domesticated animals that got authorized that could be sacrificed. So you could possibly get some meat if maybe you were a good hunter. But remember, you're still out in the middle of a hot desert. It's not like there's deer just walking all over the place. And I've been down into the Negev, and uh, it's just... It's just desert and you know some rolling hills and barren, barren area. Well, Pastor Stephen, there's rabbits. Well, you can't eat rabbits; not kosher. The rabbit does chew the cud, but the rabbit does not have a split hoof, so he's he's not good to go. So I remember when I grew up in Mississippi, it's like anything that moved was fair game. But see, we had no knowledge of the Word of God, so my grandparents ate everything. They'd eat they ate possum. Uh, I don't think they ate skunk. Although I think they had tried it one time and it wasn't good. Well, I, I could imagine it wasn't, but any type of bird just about, they would eat, uh, even, an, uh, what we would call an unclean bird. Uh, they didn't eat vultures, but they, they ate some other things that, uh, Ooh, you know, creepy stuff. So we ate squirrels and, uh, you know, I used to catch them too. Not when I say catch them, I'd shoot them and I'd bring them to my grandmother and, uh, she would cook it. But sometimes I'd have to do all the skinning. And if I shot it with buckshot, get all the little buckshot pieces out of it and, uh, you know, get it all cleaned up and throw away the part you're not going to use and you know, keep the meat. And then she'd go cook it and fry it or something like that. And all of those Non-kosher items I never did like anyhow because they never tasted good. No matter how much, um, no matter how deep fried they were or how much seasoning was put on them, it uh, never tasted good to me. But uh, we we just didn't know these types of things that God designed for a higher quality of living and long-term health. Woo, praise the Lord. Nevertheless, nevertheless we did have uh, various things that we could hunt. You know, we had a lot of deer. And we had a lot of fish, and so we lived off a lot of that. Praise the Lord. But My friends, the Israelites, it was tough. It was tough. There's hardly any meat anywhere except for their own animals. And yet it's now, God's made it so hard for us to have a barbecue. We, We have to go through all these rules and regulations, and it's blocking us from eating meat, the thing they craved. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. Praise God. Why? was God making it so hard for them to have a barbecue? It wasn't because God's not happy? Is it because God's in a bad mood? Is it because God doesn't want them to have their heart's desire? No. Here's the reason why. Here's the main reason. He's trying to keep them from decimating their flocks. Because the little animals they have, if they just start eating them because they love meat so much, they're going to they're going to consume all of their livestock. And it's the animals that are producing. Uh, you know, you have goats. Goats produce all kinds of things. You can even make clothing out of their, their hair. And some of the items in the temple that were woven were woven with goat's hair and others with uh, other types of uh, animal's hair. But, uh, you know, goats also make really good cheese. All kinds of things they're producing. So you don't want to kill your, your goats because you need them. And you don't want to kill your cows. You've only got so many of them. And, you know, of course, every now and then, you know, you can kill one, but it's not like we've got a lot of them. So God is trying to hold them back, hold them back. Why? Because he knows later they're going to have plenty of freedom, plenty of expansion, and then they can be free. But right now, there has to be a very high level of self-control because we are in areas where God is preparing us and teaching us to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, they didn't know uh, about what we would call the fruit of the Holy Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But God was trying to get them to get control of their passions and get control of their appetites, even though God wanted them to have good meals. But these were times where God is training them. Mm-mm. And trying to teach them certain things that are very, very, for the, uh, very important for them to understand. Let's move forward. Verse 19, take heed to yourself that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in your land. The Levite back in that, those days, you of course, would work at the, at the tabernacle system, doing all kinds of chores and stuff like that. And they would basically assist the priest The priests were the only ones allowed to actually carry out the sacrifices and those specific acts of worship. But it's basically saying here in sense from the New Testament looking back, the same, take care of the ministers, take care of the ministers because we have to make sure they are taken care of because that's their whole focus. Now, a major shift is happening. God is going to move them from being almost like Bedouins walking through the desert and he's going to move them into an agricultural society. And that's part of God's plan. He already has got it mapped out for them. There's the seven feast. the seven feasts all revolve around the growing and producing of crops and all of this beautiful agriculture. So that's what God is setting them up for, but he's got to get them into the Canaan land to experience that. So this whole measure of dialing things down is done on purpose. So they don't eat all of their animals. Now they're walking around in the desert and there's no milk. There's no cheese or anything like that. Restrictions of all sorts. God's trying to help them just as much as possible. But my friends during times like this, you have to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You might not always be at the five star steakhouse, And if you're a vegetarian, you might not always be able to get the uh, organic gourmet veggie meals. You might not always have access to certain things. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Pastor Stephen, if I don't get it, there's going to be some noise around here. No, that's what God is trying to work out of you. He's trying to work self-control in you because he knows where you're going. He's taking you to a place of abundance. And the last thing he wants you to do is when you get into the place of abundance is just to throw off all restraint because now that you're here and have access to it, you're going to go hog wild. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is working for our good every day of our lives. Verse 20, when the Lord, your God enlarges your border as he has promised you, now, he's going to do that just like he promised them. These are all types and shadows, the Apostle Paul said. These are all experiences that are for our learning, our betterment. We can look at their lives because we're following a spiritual course and the Lord was going to enlarge their border. He's going to do the same thing for you. Whoa! He's going to do the same thing for you just as he promised. When the Lord, your God enlarges your border, as he has promised you, and you say, let me eat meat, because you long to eat meat, you may eat as much meat as your heart desires. When's the last time you ever heard a preacher preach a service or a message on? You can have just as much meat as your heart desires, brethren. Sisters in the Lord, after this sermon, I encourage you to go and just wipe out the steak buffet. Go and have two filet mignons, and then for dinner later tonight, have three cheeseburgers. Well, this is fascinating. The Lord says, if you say, let me eat meat because you long to eat meat, the Lord says, you may eat as much meat as your heart desires. Wow. Pastor Stephen, watch out. I've got the green light from the Lord. I'm about to go totally out of control. Well, remember, you are going into the Canaan land. Now, when you come into the blessing, when you come into the Canaan land and you begin to take your land, possessing the promises of God through faith and patience, what you're going to begin to experience, some of you, it's going to be brand new. You're going to begin to experience what I would call breathing room. Hallelujah. You're going to start to have extra. You're going to start to have strength. You're going to start to have uh, uh, these new levels of creativity that you can express because now you have extra money, you have extra resources, and uh, you have extra help. And so now you're like, now you're able to live. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. So what do you do in places like that? Well, you want to exercise self-control. And I know that even those that would be out in the world that do not profess Christ as their savior yet the lord has worked through certain individuals to accomplish certain things to bring certain technologies into the earth that were in harmony with the will of god think about bill gates just for a moment who brought us the you know laptop computer and uh, microsoft word and uh, many other uh, contributions to the realm of computers I saw an interview one time when Bill Gates was asked, Mr. Gates, what's it like being a multi-billionaire? At that time, he was the wealthiest man in the world. Of course, he's not anymore, but they asked him, what's it like being a multi-billionaire? And, you know, the interviewer was kind of like asking, like, he has no idea, no concept of what it must be like to have all of this money, have all of this freedom to do anything, literally let you want. And so he asked him, what's it like? to be a multi-billionaire, you know what Bill Gates said? He said, it's just another hamburger. Now stop and think about that just for a moment. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Even though he does not profess Christ is Lord, there's a lot of wisdom in that answer. Pastor Stephen, I crave meat. Maybe I'm Jewish and I don't know it. Maybe I'm an Israelite and I've never known it. I crave meat. Hmm. Okay. Now, I want to show you something that will help you. Turn back to verse 8. I told you we'd come back to this. Verse 8, you shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. Here is the problem. God had previously told them, if you want to eat meat previously, if you wanted to have your barbecue, first bring the animal to the tabernacle. Let the priest take it through the ritual sacrifice that I require to be done the proper way. The priest will take their portion because they do this full time. They have to eat also. They're going to get some of the meat. Then another part of that meat is going to go onto the altar, the holy altar. It will be burnt by fire. Then what's left comes back to you. But you had those that still wouldn't obey that. They're like, well, that's too much trouble. Look at that line. I can't wait in a line like that to get to the tabernacle. I'm going to take my cow out behind this rock and I'm going to kill it and I'm going to eat it myself. And that's what many of them did. They did their own thing. And the Lord says, We can't be doing this type of thing anymore. All of you need to stop doing that. And it was wrong that you did it, but you're coming into a new place where you must get control of your cravings. Praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with meat. We clearly see here that the Lord said, you can have as much as your heart desires, but let's not limit it to barbecue or meat because perhaps a vegetarian is listening to me. And they're thinking, this doesn't really pertain to me, Pastor Stephen. I don't crave meat. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's a hamburger or a filet mignon or a pair of shoes. Um, Remember the lady that was the, uh, the wife of the prime minister of the Philippines some decades back? And, uh, you know, you had many, uh, many people in the country that were starving, didn't have enough food, but yet when that lady was kicked out of office, they found out that she had something like, uh, like 50,000 pairs of shoes. Pastor Stephen, that's a serious craving for shoes. Yeah. And you can only wear one or two pairs a day, but yet she had thousands and thousands and thousands of pairs of shoes and just had a craving, craving for shoes. What, what are shoes? They're, they're, they're just shoes. It, it's like Bill Gates said, it's just, it's just another hamburger. My friends, you have to look at life from an eternal perspective. You're only here for a while. And that it, it passes very, very quickly. And even if you are a multibillionaire and you get a big, big yacht that's, you know, longer than a football field and costs $500 million dollars, well, you're only going to live, what, what 30 more years? If you're 60, you've only got, what, maybe 22 or 25 more years, and then your whole life is over, and then you step into eternity. It all goes very, very quickly. And not only that, you get on the yacht, you get seasick. It just People do all kinds of crazy things, and they think, this is it, meat. And the Israelites, it's all about meat. We want meat. We crave meat. And God's like, look, I don't have any problem with meat. And when you get into the Canaan land, you can have all of the meat you want. You don't have to go to the tabernacle anymore. You can eat it right there in your own house. And somebody says, I'm going to develop a barbecue grill. I'm going to make a fortune. And people are still making money today by uh, developing different types of grills and cooking methods and cookbooks and stuff like that. And it's all good. It's all fine. But it's also all what? It's, just all, it's still just all meat. <laughs> there, there is a certain level of a a ceiling, a maximum level. You can just only have so much fun with meat or anything else. That's why you need God. That's why you need God. Don't go wild over meat. Don't go wild over shoes. Nothing wrong with shoes. Have as much meat, have as many shoes as you want. But really when your heart is totally into God and keeping his commandments, you realize I I don't need 50,000 pairs of shoes unless you're wanting to sew what if that lady would have said, "I've got all these shoes. I I didn't know the Lord, and I went crazy and lusted and craved shoes. Now she gets saved. Boy, I could I could just sew. I could sew like uh, forty thousand of them and still have ten thousand for myself. You know, I'm just saying that we have to look at this from the way the Lord develops us. I want my freedom, Pastor Stephen. I want to get in that land of Canaan because I've got some things to do. That's good." God's going to take you there and when you're there and you start to conquer and you start to have this new freedom and you start to have this new uh, prosperity and you have the ability now to have all the meat you want. Remember to put the Lord first and remember that it's not just about freedom. I can do this now. I can do that. You can do anything you want in a sense long, as long as it's not going against the word of God. And and so you have a very wide latitude of liberty and freedom in Christ, but you want to watch out for cravings. You want to watch out for things that will just engulf your time and steer your heart away from the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord loved his people The children of Israel, when they went through the wilderness and the land of snakes and scorpions and blistering heat, and he protected them from all of that. Now, they had some problems with their rebellion where the snakes came out and did a whole lot of biting and a bunch of people died. But outside of that, all the Lord was trying to do was take care of them, reveal himself to them. And that's what some of them caught They caught a God that they could actually know. When I say caught, I'm talking about caught the revelation. God, I can know you. How? Through obeying your commandments, the walking in the light of your word. And now that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us as believers in Christ, we have the word of God written upon the fleshly tablets of our heart, not written on hard stone. And so many of their hearts were like stone they never understood the, uh, the love of God. It was all about craving and satisfying those cravings and it grieved the Lord's heart. And they, uh, for so many of them, they didn't understand how to please the Lord by faith in his word, not just a blind, random faith, a faith in what God said, God will take care of us. God is a good God. And as we walk with him and obey him, his blessings overtake us. And that sin is dangerous. Stay away from it. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. My friends, you're coming into your promised land. When you get there and you have those freedoms, watch out for cravings that would try to pull you into a place of excess. Where now it's no longer a freedom or liberty. Now, watch out. It's a bondage. mm Praise the Lord glory to the Lord glory to the Lord. Now, this is why you must move forward. This is why you need to cross the Jordan river. Why? Because of the expansive freedom of the wide open areas uh, of your ability now to develop into the fullness of what God has for you. you I mean, they're coming in now into land ownership. They're going to have their own homes. They're going to have their own vineyards They're going to have all of this stuff they've never had before. It's like they were, like I had said earlier, Bedouins, just walking around from oasis to oasis and just wandering and wandering. Look, they're coming to the place. All of that's over. And it's all because of the goodness of the Lord. So you must move forward. You must not let a spirit of contentment just hold you back where you don't get into the promised Canaan land. Glory to the Lord. So keep moving. Keep moving today. Keep moving right now. And as it opens up this expansion in the Canaan land, honor the Lord, stay close to the Lord. You'll see all kinds of forms of idolatry and uh, the breaking of God's commandments all around you by those in the world. You see it every day. You hear it every day, but you stay close to the Lord because this is a lot more. uh, This is a lot more than just having freedom or just, just the ability to go out and eat a steak anytime you want. This is the freedom to serve the Lord, to worship the Lord. And God took them into the seven feasts and how out of those seven feasts, three of them, all males, age 20 and over, are all required to go to Jerusalem. And God again made it so good because he loves them so much and he knows their humanity, he knows what they're dealing with. He said, look, if you've got too many cattle And the journey is too far. Sell the cattle and take the money, take the tithe out of the money and bring that to the place where you're supposed to worship me at. In other words, the Lord's not trying to say, now bring your 300 cattle and take them through the desert and get them over here somehow. And if you don't, you're in big trouble. He made all kinds of concessions for them to make it as easy as possible to come. Why? So they can engage in worship Mm -mm. and obey the Lord. Praise God, because the feasts were festivals. It's all about rejoicing, diving into the word of God, coming up to Jerusalem, having the priest teach you just a time to rejoice in the Lord, have a nice meal, have some more barbecue. Praise God. But it's all about getting closer to the Lord because we're only on this planet for a short period of time. Hallelujah. We must not be distracted even by good old barbecue. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. we all have our things that we can be passionate about, but make sure that nothing ever would supplant the place of the Lord Jesus and your worship and devotion to him first. We live in a culture and society where there's options all over the place, just like for them, like barbecue stores, start, barbecue restaurants start popping up all over the place. And they're probably thinking, this is the greatest thing. We we knew uh, that Moses said the land of Canaan would be good. We never knew that there were barbecue restaurants here. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that's all good. That's all fine. But watch out for cravings that would try to get you into places of excess that actually ensnare you and then trap you, and it's not a freedom anymore, but now it's a bondage. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people. Freedom and the fullness of the Canaan land experience, where Lord, they can have as much meat as you want. Lord, that's what you said. You can have as much meat as you want. So, Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for joy. I thank you for these various expressions of liberty, whether it's now a big barbecue or whatever it might be, let your people prosper and flourish, but let them always keep you first, lest we end up like the pagans, worshiping under some green tree or on top of a hill somewhere, and going back into darkness and spiritual death. Father, we choose life. We thank you. And Father, we thank you that your spirit writes your words, your instructions upon our hearts. So everywhere we go, 24-7, we are endeavoring to please you and bring you honor and glory. Father, we thank you that even as Paul said, life is, the kingdom of God is not about food and drink. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, help us always see the bigger picture, which is Christ. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Now, if you're watching this program, this message, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know perhaps that you think uh, this was a message on barbecue, but this is a message on walking with Christ. If you don't know him, it begins with the salvation experience by being born again. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and receive deliverance from sin, spiritual death, and a place that's called hell, more horrible than any person could ever imagine. Receive Christ right now into your heart. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Save me now. Create a clean heart, a new heart in me, a soft heart. Thank you, Jesus. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray, amen, Mm, and amen. Praise God. Welcome to the family of God, those of you that have prayed that prayer for the first time. Now, as a church family, let's take holy communion together. Praise the Lord. I'd like to encourage you to grab some unleavened bread. I use these little wafers. If you don't have one of these, you can get a little cracker, something like that, something similar. And here I have grape juice. If you don't have grape juice until you get some, you can use something else to temporarily suffice. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and his mighty sacrifice upon Calvary for the full redemption of our sins as we have put our faith and trust in him. Father, we now bless the bread, the juice, and through this prayer, we set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Savior of the world. And Father, as we receive the flesh of the Lord Jesus, we thank you that to the pure, all things are pure, and to the ungodly, everything's perverted. But, O God, we're going on with you, walking in truth and righteousness. Father, let us beware of cravings, even good cravings, and, and let the fruit of the spirit of self-control be exercised in our lives in a way that brings you glory. Thank you, father. Father, we thank you that many times that means letting others go first. Thank you, father. God, we give you praise. We thank you. We receive the flesh of the Lord Jesus. Now in his name, amen. Let's receive. Say, I'm going forward and to my Canaan land. Heavenly father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for cleansing from all sin and all unrighteousness. And Father, if we have sinned against anyone, we ask that you would forgive us. And if anybody has sinned against us, we forgive them, Father, in Christ's name. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for the crucifixion of the Adamic self-nature that would try to rise up. And get us to crave excessively. But Father, we give you praise. We thank you that even, even through the wilderness, you loved your people and you were with them. But Father, so many died because of their unbelief and they perished, never seeing the promised land. But Father, we just thank you for taking us in by your grace. We thank you, there's grace for grace. We thank you, O God, for your goodness upon our lives. We give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I do now after having heard the Word of God? Well, perhaps you want to go have a nice steak. Praise the Lord. Or whatever your heart would desire, long as it glorifies God, long as it's within the parameters of Scripture, and enjoy yourself. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Hallelujah. And as you're enjoying your life and enjoying the wonderful journey, always remember we're only here for a very fleeting period of time. You know, um, before my father passed away, he said, Stephen, he said, it just seemed like yesterday. Now, he told me this when he was in his late 70s. He said, it just seemed like yesterday when I was a little boy. Carving my initials into the tree with a little pocket knife, and I, I know that where that tree is at. My dad and his brother, uh, two two other brothers. My dad uh, has two brothers, so I've got two uncles. They they all carved their initials into the tree. And he said, it just seems like yesterday, but yet it was over 70 plus years. And now he's gone on to be with the Lord. My friend's life is very fleeting. Live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoy life, but never forget. Life is a lot more than just a good barbecue. Hallelujah. Father, bless your people. We give you praise in Jesus' great name. Amen and amen. I'll see you back next time.